You are listening to the Mythical Jesus Podcast, Taking the Christ of Faith Seriously. I'm your host, Bill Real. This podcast dives into faith development, cognitive development, biblical scholarship, and does so using the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. Hold on to your seats. This is going to be a fun ride. These episodes will be short, but they are going to dive into the Jesus story in ways that you have never done before. So thank you for joining us. You are listening to the Mythical Jesus Podcast, Taking the Christ of Faith Seriously. Come thou fount of every blessing Tune my heart to sing thy grace Streams of mercy never Here in episode 3, we want to go back into Mark Chapter 1, verse 7 And we ought, to, we ought to read it first Verse 7 says, John announced, someone is coming soon Who is greater than I am so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. John the Baptist is fully vocalizing and acknowledging that he is unworthy, and I don't even want to use that word, that he is secondary compared to Christ who follows after, that, he, that he's just a street sign that is pointing others to Christ. That he's just a way station along the path that allows the fellow travelers to stop and to rest, but he is pointing them on to Christ who follows after. John the Baptist, with his words here, is essentially bowing out of the way. Now, please understand the biblical scholarship. John the Baptist is a religious leader of at least a small group, if not a little larger than small group of uh, a band of followers. Some folks maintain that John the Baptist is the leader of the Essenines. Uh, again, a, a peculiar group. They're a little different. They've set themselves apart from the rest of the, the Jewish uh, followers that go to synagogue and worship in, in what they would call orthodox ways. And, and John has been doing this for some time. And so for him to come out and to say, hey, wait, stop. There's one who comes after me that I am not worthy to stoop down and untie his sandals. He essentially is bowing out of the way. And we should understand, right, that in a way, all Christian churches claim to be doing this. All churches claim to say like, hey, don't put your trust in me, but put your trust in Jesus. Hey, don't put us as your foundation make your foundation the Christ. And so all Christian churches do this with at least some of their rhetoric. Yet us in earlier stages of our life, we, with or without the church's encouragement, often build our foundations on the church. So rather than only seeing the church as a street sign with an arrow pointing down the path, Instead, we feel tied to the church, and this loyalty to the institution often stagnates our growth. You see, if, if the institution preaches generally, and we in our ethnocentricity want to fit in those general rules and policies and protocols 
and restrictions and commandments, then as Jesus calls us to be unique and individual, we're going to be resistant to that because we want to fit in the tribe. We want to belong. We want to walk and talk like they do. So our loyalty to the institution stagnates our growth. There is so much about this life's journey that is individual and unique. And you're going to see that as we move forward through the life of Jesus. If we place too much emphasis on fitting into the mold, into staying in the box that our church community has created, we're going to miss the call of the Christ of faith to enter into a relationship with Jesus on the path, one-on-one. Remember, Jesus says at some point, straight is the gate and narrow is the way and few there be that find it. We're going to have to prepare ourselves to separate our identity from that of the group in order to be on the path. To hit on this from another angle, every Christian belief system has defined Christ and his gospel differently. We can easily see that. If, if I'm a Baptist, I look at the Catholics and I say they're really different than us. If I'm a Baptist, I look at the Calvinist and I say they're really different than us. If I'm a, a Jehovah's Witness and I uh, look at the Episcopalians, I say they are very different than us. If I'm the Amish and I'm looking at the Mormons, I say they are very different than us. We all see that. We recognize from religious institution to religious institution, they are all different. We see that easily. We completely grasp that each group looks at the same data and arrives at completely different interpretations. Yet, when we look inside at our tribe, at our faith community, do we do the same thing? I don't think we do. It seems like we assume that us, this group, we see things the same. We are unified, at least generally. We assume that whatever tribe we're in, whatever religious community, whatever faith congregation we are in, we assume that we all see this Jesus and his gospel the same. It is a deep sign of maturity when we can understand and grasp just how different and unique the interpretations are within our own tribe, within our own faith group. Soon as we see that in our own congregation, that there are 150 different interpretations of Jesus, 150 different interpretations of the scriptural canon, of what is the gospel, that as much as we plead with the words of Paul and Ephesians encouraging us to come to a unity of faith, which we define as all of us believing the same thing, as soon as we come to the recognition that we are anything but unified in belief, that all of us are cafeteria believers, that all of us have picked pieces and parts that we see as more important, each of us looks at the stories, the parables, the experiences, and the people, and we come up with something different. We see certain behaviors, and some will justify it, and others will push against it. And in fact, an even deeper step into development recognizes the value and the truth in knowing that there is deep truth in growth, in realizing that Christ is actually not only valuing, but also calling us to keep some part of ourselves unique and different 
along with the interpretations that we make. That as we move into Jesus, you're going to realize there's a tenseness you hadn't seen before between Jesus and his religious congregation. You're going to sense that the religious leaders of his group are calling for him to be unified and he is pushing back against that. You're going to sense that when he runs into those who are unclear what decisions they should make because they want to remain in conformity and in loyalty to the group, he is calling them to stand on their own ground. Not necessarily his ground, but their own ground. This isn't about a religious theology. This is about Jesus calling people to develop their own authority, that the locus of their authority is within themselves, and calling them to stand their ground, to hold and to speak their truth, to be authentic, to be vulnerable. These are the gifts of the second half of life. Moving into verse 8, John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is just about ready to come onto the scene. And John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water, talking to his followers, talking in a scene in which Jesus is not present. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Recognizing that John is the leader of a religious group and not a standalone preacher, notice that John announces that he has one thing to give, but that Jesus comes after with something else. We've taken this to mean certain things, and each belief system will understand those things differently. What is baptism? What is the Holy Spirit? Who can receive? What is essential? Those are debated. I wonder, though, if we might open our minds to seeing something differently here. That John has come with some outward ritual to offer, and that's all he has to give. Some physical thing. John is offering us a chance to show outwardly that we are willing to conform and to join a religious tribe and be part of an outward group, outward observances, outward boundaries, and all of us participating and partaking in that same thing. These are outward boundaries. And all John the Baptist has is to say, here's this ritual. And all of you partake in this outward ritual the same way. And you can become part of this group. You can be us. You can be one of us. He points to Christ offering something different. Christ is offering something inside us. A new light. A new lens to see the world. The Holy Ghost. A new paradigm to wake into. It's going to be individual. It's going to be felt different. It's going to give light differently. It's going to make us a new being. It's going to awaken us into something completely different, something completely new. John, with this one scripture, the author here is setting us up for the very next verse when Jesus enters the picture and begins to offer us something new. John has just unlocked the gate and thrown the door wide open and said, here's all I can do. Here's all I represent. 
I'm just a street sign pointing down the path. Now prepare yourselves. Clear the road. Something new is going to happen. All I have is the ability to give you this outward observance, but you are about to wake up to something inside you that is completely and entirely novel. Thank you for joining us on the Mythical Jesus Podcast, where we're taking the Christ of faith seriously. See you next time. Come thou fount of every blessing Tune my heart to sing thy grace Streams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs of loudest praise Teach me some melodious sonnet Sung by flaming tongues above Praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it Mount of thy reach